Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't even figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. This is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Thursday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe at Cuse Militia on the socials. Go there. Join the militia. The crisp crack of Joe's beer is sweet music to my ears. I hope it's sweet music to your ears. It's been quite some time. We've come out of the hole. After the loss to Houston <laughs> and uh, a ton, an absolute ton of Syracuse basketball news. And we're, yeah. we are already behind on the Syracuse football news somewhat. Joe's going to give us a little update with that. We're going to have Mike McAllister on to tie up some of the loose ends for Syracuse basketball and a really unprecedented bing, season ending um, see, end to the season for for college basketball. The transfer portal is coming out of everybody's ears. It seems like every day, because I think it was every day, that something moved it, within the program. So a ton to talk about there. Yeah. Right. And oh, and, and, so and, and when you think about doing a show, and you're like, well, let's let's do a show. Okay. Well, should we wait another day? Okay, let's wait a day. Well, I mean, that's where we were, right? Because we did so many episodes for like the past, what, like two, three weeks or whatever leading up to this. So we're like, ah, we're going to take a break. We're going to see, you know, let the news fall. I don't think we had any idea that it was going to come out like that. And then it was kind of like every day we were like questioning, should we do it? Uh, there might be something else. Should we do it? I uh, mean, let's just wait, right? So yeah, we booked Mike McAllister today and I'm like, well, what's going to maybe something new will happen today. Maybe it'll be tomorrow and I'll be like, damn it. Maybe we should have waited a day, but right. it's okay because we're going to speculate, no, I think, right. on – well, sure. We're going to speculate on what's left with some buy-seller holds. We are going to do our best to get through all of this basketball stuff the best we can, and then maybe if there's time left, we are going to get his thoughts on some of the football stuff going on. But until then, Joe, a big one today, and, and by big, I mean big and big in size. Literally and figuratively. Uh, big. So what, three three thirty five, right? Six seven three thirty five. Yeah, that's pretty damn big. So uh Willie Tyler, uh from Texas. I guess he never even really played a snap with Texas. No. 
It's kind of crazy. He's got three years of eligibility left, right? Okay. Go. So update. Give us. Give us. Give us your. Give us your football update, bro. Let us. Well, I mean, there was obviously some stuff, right? I mean, there was the uh, the pro day stuff with Cisco and um, Trill and Malfawanu and stuff, and I think they all kind of helped themselves out. Um, uh, There's some some high grades on some of those guys, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them got drafted come uh, come uh, NFL draft, which is something that we really haven't seen recently unless you're a punter you really don't get drafted but um other than that you know they started spring practice and uh quarterback david summers he entered the transfer portal and like you said we got this uh commit today willie tyler from uh texas so another big body and we're getting everybody back from last year and on top of the recruiting class, I mean, Babers is going all in. I mean, obviously, we spoke ad nauseum for the past two years, I think, about the, uh, the, offensive, the line. offensive line and, and how I think he wants to just shore that up and, and kind of see really where it is, right, deficiencies. I mean, we brought in another transfer that's a quarterback that's going to be able to, I think, um, create some sort of sort of a quarterback controversy. But um, I think that he's addressing – certain issues that I think all fans and everybody knew kind of what were the issues were. So until you can fix the offensive line, you really can't figure out what it really was. Right. Well, chicken or the egg type uh, situation. So uh, we're going all in, obviously, I think we got what, like six or seven offensive linemen coming in, obviously with him and everybody coming back. So um, it's, it's good news with that depth because with all those guys, there's no way you're not going to be able to, to figure out a pretty good combination for what you're trying to do on offense. In the running backs, a lot of running backs coming back. It's going to be yeah. inter- the football season is going to be interesting. I've just I've got to be honest, and it's always tough for me to make the switch from basketball to football because football really happens. Short, I mean, starts to move really shortly after basketball ends, but I mean, we got all summer. It just never really football just never stops. I mean, let's be honest. No, I mean, the, the Virginia Beach high schools around here. Um, you know, my son's playing lacrosse. They're they're doing all of their conditioning and everything too, um, on, on on the opposite end of the field. So it's it's everywhere, um, and that's just how it is. Which is which is great. It's just well, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work. So, all right, we want to get Mike on here. But first, we got to hear from the folks over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the title sponsor for sports drink, easy for me to say, sports drink, formerly armchair. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are on pro basketball. And the start of the Major League Baseball season, BetOnline.ag has all of the betting action in the NBA. The conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, BetOnline has you covered. If you like hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, BetOnline has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. BetOnline has you covered for all the odds and real-time updates and is the place to be for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place your bet and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and go to BetOnline.ag to sign up. Go there. Start an account. It doesn't take much. Throw Throw a 50 banger on it. Get you started. BetOnline.ag. Okay. You guys maybe have heard us on the Locker Room app. 
listen, this is an app where it's going to allow us to talk with you. It's an audio only app. And I hook it up to the mixer here and you can hear us live through the through the locker room app. You can request to talk and get on immediately or you can just sit there and listen to us live. All you got to do is go to any of the Google Play, I, iOS, Apple Store, download the app, locker room app. It's a sock. The icon is a sock in case you're wondering. Go there. All you got to do is set up an account. And uh, you can follow us. Maybe we'll follow you back. And here's the other thing. You don't have to just listen to us. You can use this thing for any kind of debates you want. You can use it for your own post or pregame stuff. You can make your own halftime show. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to just listen. You as well can broadcast live and have people comment and call in and listen to you and have conversations. So anyways, go there, check it out. It's free. It's audio only, as I mentioned, the social media platform for sports fans. Uh, and as I said, join the conversations with us. We will always let you know when we'll be going and doing a locker room live. And this is something I've mentioned we want to get into. Well, now they're sponsoring the show. So now I have to do it. I'm kind of feel pressured to. So locker room, go there, download it. Appreciate it. Locker room. Thank you. Joining us now, publisher of all things Syracuse for Syracuse Sports Illustrated. If there's a move to be made, he'll let you know. He'll let us all know. At McAllisterMike1 on Twitter. Long overdue, Mike. Thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Look, first, before we get into everything, all things Syracuse basketball, you've been working your fingers to the bone over there uh, from the computer, and uh, you've been doing a fantastic job. We use your stuff all the time. And we really appreciate it. The move from 247 to Sports Illustrated for you seems to be seems to be working out. You're you're a Syracuse kid, right? Yeah, I was born and raised in the area. I went to Marcellus High School. Um, went to college out in Rochester. So I'm a upstate New York guy my entire life. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, Joe and I we we grew up in the you know East Syracuse and went to ESM. Both graduated from ESM. So, anyways, yeah. it's always yes. the the local boys. I like that. Um, yes. let's, let's start with Kamari Lance. Okay. Uh, six, eight, five star. I read, you know, he's got what 19th best player on ESPN 33rd and two, four, seven and 62nd on rivals. He was You quoted him in your piece as saying, I'm a, I'm a six, eight wing. I can play, make, I can score. I can play defense. I can do whatever you want me to do. I want to win. I'll definitely bring the swag and scoring and playmaking. Definitely my length and IQ for the game in the zone can get out and make steals. I definitely think I can impact the zone well. This kid's a Syracuse fan. His older brother was a mellow fan. He became a fan too. Um, what? I mean, this seems like uh, almost too good to be true, this kid. It does. And it's funny, when, when you have a kid that grows up in Indiana, you almost expect him by default as a basketball guy to be an Indiana fan, right? right. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and the fact that he grew up a Syracuse fan um, it's, it's interesting. It's different than what you'd expect. You'd expect that from the kid that grows up in Albany or Samir Torrance, who's transferring in, who grew up in the area. You, you expect that. Um, even some kids, you know, if, if you're in Pennsylvania, whatever, Pittsburgh and Penn state basketball, maybe they're not on your radar. Syracuse is a little bit more. You can sort of understand some of that. Indiana was, that really wasn't what I was expecting when, when he told me that. And, um, you know, so his, his older brother grew up a huge fan of Mello. That was his favorite player. And so when he grew up watching college basketball, he was watching it with his brother who was watching Syracuse and rooting for Syracuse. 
So that sort of fostered, you know, his, his love for SU and, um, and the fact that he then turns into an elite player, you know, helps you. But yeah, he's, he said, um, wing to me, he said guard other places. And, and some people were fixated on him saying guard. The thing to remember is the three at Syracuse, the small forward spot does a lot of things that guards typically do, right? You put the ball in their hands, you let them facilitate the offense. They take guys off the dribble. They play make for other players. We've seen Syracuse have players that have done those things very successfully in this system. That's what he is. Whether he plays at the two or plays at the three, he's going to be doing guard-like things offensively, and he's long enough that he can be disruptive on the defensive end in either spot. So the fact that this guy is extremely talented, he's a very confident offensive player. He's got range out to the three-point line. An elite talent, as you can tell by how highly ranked he is, although I think Rivals needs to kind of get in line with where everyone else is. You know, still, it it tells you how good of a player this is, and and it's a great way to get the 22 class started for Syracuse. Yeah, and it's it's funny you say that, Mike, because when I I first watched his tape before I saw his measurables, and he he looked like a three-level score. I thought he was a 6'4", 6'5", Malachi Richardson type guard right and then i saw his measurables and i saw six eight i said wow uh this guy could be something special in uh the way he hit those threes and like again three level score um he's he's definitely you think he has something to do with uh woody newton leaving i maybe you think benny i i think it was the combination of benny cole swider and then you know the we'll say likelihood Wink, wink, that Jimmy Beheim Jr. is going to come as well. You know, the, the fact that, that they're adding those three forwards in addition to, you know, some potentially Quincy still being there, et right, cetera. Right. I think Woody kind of saw, I'm not going to play that much next year, regardless of what Quincy and Allen decide. And if those guys come back, then I'm definitely not playing. Um, <laughs> And, you know, you've got Benny potentially there for multiple years. You've got Cole, who I think we all expect will probably be there for two years, barring some sort of monster season that exceeds even our expectations, which if he has a type of season where he can bolt to the NBA, then Syracuse is tremendous next year. Um, You know, so I I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall. I don't know that this directly had an impact on it, although it could have played a small part. I think... Cole Swider um, was probably the bigger factor there, so why he decided to leave. So, just just to like recap, you know, when you look back on the Syracuse season and Sadibi gets injured four minutes into it, and they make the Sweet Sixteen, just a tremendous job of overcoming adversity and watching this team just get better and better slowly and slowly at a couple of hiccups, the COVID pauses and everything. But what can you say about just what Coach did? And after all that, like coach, I, I mean, more criticism this year than, than in recent memory. Now he gets, he gets hosed all the time by the fans, but this year was totally different, totally different. And they go and make the sweet 16. Yes. And here's the thing, right? So you've got a, a head coach who's been here for 45 years. My entire life, there's only been one head coach of Syracuse. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm 42. So as as I'm getting older, that becomes more and more astonishing. Uh, the fact that that's still true. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it's amazing to me that you've got a guy who's been here as long as he has. He's never had a losing season. Mm-hmm. He's been to five, six Final Fours, whatever it is, has a national title. Um, he's basically averaging going to the Final Four every eight years, 
and going to the Sweet 16 every two to three years, whatever it is. So you're, I mean, that's that's a tremendous amount of success. And he is essentially um, an Orinze Onowaku injury and or oh, yeah. a Derek Coleman missed free throw away from having two titles. Yeah. And, and that doesn't change how good of a coach he is. The fact that Coleman missed a free throw or Onowaku got hurt. Right. So you're talking about a guy. Mellow paper. Yeah. Well, the 2010. <laughs> That's that... a whole separate podcast. It's <laughs> yeah. a whole separate episode. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he's accomplished all of that and still in recent years, despite the fact that they've had, you could say, subpar regular seasons by his own standards that he helped create, they've still had tournament runs. You know, you look at the last eight years they've had two final fours four sweet 16s yeah. a couple of lead eights uh, all of that during sanctions when you're having double digit loss seasons as well he's nine and three as a double digit seed in the ncaa tournament that's insane um that that tells you a couple of things um one his coaching ability shouldn't be questioned okay he, he can <laughs> coach regardless of of what players he has on the roster what type of a team he has he's done it with so many different types of teams he can outcoach the opposing coach, even when he has less talent. And he proves that every year. Yeah. But I think at some point, and that does this does not mean that criticism can never happen, right? Everyone's um, everyone can be criticized, and there sure. are certainly things that you can criticize Beheim on. Um, but largely, when it comes to who he's playing and who he's not, we don't have all of the information, right? We don't see practices. So the if Jesse Edwards had been playing all along, they'd have you know five fewer losses or whatever it is, and they would have been a much higher seed and et cetera. The only thing I've said to that is, while that's potentially possible, we'll never know, it's also possible that the Hall of Fame head coach has been doing this for 45 years, brought Jesse along, only put him out there in situations where he could be successful, and the fact that he did play well and it came together down the stretch of the season proves that the way that he handled it during the regular season was correct. Not the opposite. I've simply argued we have to at least leave room for that possibility. Even if you still ultimately don't agree, you have to acknowledge that there's a possibility that's the case. So I I think the criticism at times was over the line, um, a little bit extreme for for my taste. Um, But, you know, it's the that is, I would say, the downside to having a very large and passionate fan base is you get some of that. People are emotional. They don't like to lose. All of those things. At the end of the day, everyone just wants Syracuse to win, right? That's yep. even the ones that are criticizing for the most part. Um, yeah, and the negative stuff's always going to get the most attention, right? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a much larger percentage of the fan base that um, isn't criticizing, you know, maybe wonders some things. I don't understand why Jesse isn't playing more. I think that's a fair question to ask. I think at times when that question is asked, of Beheim, he takes that as a personal attack on how he's coaching when it's really people just want to know they're asking him the question so he can tell them. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not ready yet because they want his insight because he knows so much about basketball. Um, so, you know, there's there's some give and take there. But, um, again, the the end results speak for themselves and, and recruiting starting to pick up. So it's it's really hard to complain too much. Absolutely. Well said. So on on the guys that are leaving, okay, so we obviously saw you had a piece out and you had a couple of the same ones we had. We actually talked about it, I think, the day before or that day that the piece came out. 
And the one guy I really didn't see moving. And look, the listeners to this show told us it was going to happen, and we kind of poo-pooed it. So I have egg on my face about that. Okay, and I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not an expert. All right. I, I've just. I make you know educated guesses most of the time. Uh, that would be Kadari Richmond Lehman. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really didn't see it coming, man. I mean, because I understand where he's coming from. He came exactly from where the fans came from, by the way. Uh, yes. the, the listeners to this show. So, I mean, did that catch you off guard at all? Did you expect that? Did you think maybe it was going to happen? Because I really think, I really didn't think, and I don't know about you, Joe, I didn't really think there was a, that high of a likelihood he was going to be going. I had heard during the season there, you know, there were some rumblings about him potentially not being happy and potentially wanting to move on. But I ultimately thought I, I've heard that about different players throughout Bayheim's career since I've been following. Right. Um, you hear about players potentially not being happy and wanting to leave. Michael Carter Williams, you heard about that. Uh, Jalen Carey, even though he ended up leaving the next offseason, there was one offseason where everyone thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. And then he had you know, his exit meeting at the end of the season with Coach Beheim and stuck around for another year. And, and that's kind of what I thought was going to happen, even when I heard some of those rumblings during the season, is that he was going to sit down with Coach Beheim during the exit meeting and it was basically going to be explained to him, listen, you were a true freshman playing over 20 minutes a game we had several games where you played 30 minutes in those games when, when Joe wasn't playing well. And, you know, we think very highly of your potential. We think you're a great fit for what we do. And we think you're going to be a great player here. You will have an opportunity to compete for the starting job next year. And if you are better than Joe, you will get the job. And that he would say, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm here. I know everything that goes on here. I've been successful here. Uh, I'm going to work my butt off in the off season, and I'm going to make Coach start me over Joe. That's mm-hmm. what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And instead, for some reason, it seems he interpreted that exit meeting as, "Well, I got no chance to start, so I better go." Um, I, I don't know whether that was a miscommunication on Coach's part. He says it wasn't. Uh, we don't know because we weren't involved in those um, meetings in those discussions. But yeah, it caught me a little bit off guard and. Um, it's, it's one of those where you hope it's not a decision that comes back to bite him in terms of his career. Cause even though he's not at Syracuse, right. you know, he's, he's a good kid by all accounts from everything I've heard. Um, you just hope that he still ends up being successful at Seton Hall and that he realizes some of those dreams and becomes, you know, an, a professional player and is able to do some of those things. Oh yeah. To Mike, I was right there on the same level with you as far as like, yeah, you have to let him know that if you just, you know, take that step, that you have a chance to compete, and that you, because you have to know that everybody knows if if Kadari takes that one step, he his outside jumper, everything like that gets a little bit better, and he gets his knee right because he was you know a little bit injured at the end of the year. That there's no doubt that he comes back better than Joe, I think, and he should have been able to start, in in my opinion. Um, and like you said, I don't know what was said, but at some point he interpreted that as that he didn't think he was going to be able to start. And, um, that's unfortunate. I mean, I'm going to cheer for him wherever he goes, but I, I'm right there with you. It's exactly what you thought is exactly what I thought was going to happen. He's going to come back and prove that he was the better fit for the system. Yeah. And, and I think it's important too to, to take a look when you look at the Joe versus Kadari thing. Um, I think it's important to look at it from the other side rather than just Kadari's in that we know that Joe had COVID 
And when he was getting over COVID, he seemed to really struggle for quite a while. Looked lethargic at times, just didn't have the same level of energy that he does. I think he missed playing in front of a crowd more than just about anyone else on the team. I think that was a factor in some of his his sloppy play at times. Um, And he played better in the NCAA tournament. But the other thing that you have to remember is um, look at it from the coach's perspective, right? He said all season he needs all three guards to play well for them to be a good team. That includes Joe. Even if you play Kadari more minutes, you still need Joe to be productive when he's on the floor. If you midseason, right after he has COVID and goes through essentially his first prolonged slump of his college career, because he was pretty solid as freshman. Maybe not, you know, this great elite all-time player, but he was he was a solid point. Exceeded for, expectations. I think so. Uh, yeah. for a true freshman. Yep. And well, now just just for the record, Joe thought he was gonna redshirt and he didn't, so uh, he got he got hoisted into that spot, and he exceeded yeah. my expectations. That's why I yeah. said that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to be kind of that steady right away. Um, yeah. But now he goes through a slump after getting COVID during a pandemic year. And if you suddenly bench him and you're playing Kadari 35 minutes a game, you've lost Joe. You've yep. killed his confidence. You're not getting him back. Now, does that mean that you sacrifice your team's success in order to coddle one player necessarily? No, but I would also argue that Bayheim didn't coddle him. There were several games where Joe played terrible game, and Kadari played 30-plus minutes in those games, and Joe sat for extended periods in the second halves of games. So I think this was, as much as people want to make it about Kadari, I think that the other side of it is you had a head coach who stuck by his struggling sophomore point guard and did what he could to not destroy his confidence and lose him mentally um, for not only this year, but going forward. Yeah, we, we talked, we talked a little bit about that too. And I think it's a solid point. You know, I think the off season coming into next year would have been, could have been maybe a different story. Obviously we all saw the games. We, like you said earlier, Mike, and we've said here on this show numerous times throughout the year during this whole controversy is that we don't see what's going on in practices. If coach tells me Joe's nailing everything in practice, I got to believe Joe's nailing everything in practice. What, who, what am I going to, who am I to argue with them? So, right. Nope, nope. <laughs> so, um, you know, okay. So Braswell was another one that Joe, Joe kind of expected Braswell, right, Joe? Um, yeah. You didn't expect Woody though, but bull, I mean, I think bull seen the writing on the wall that maybe we didn't until a couple days after, which was Sadibi's uh, coming back. Uh, you, you know, so uh, obviously those ones, not a big deal. Now, the fan favorite, though, Mark, I mean, obviously there was in my heart I wanted him to come back because I just enjoy watching him play. But as far as as far as the team goes, you know, he's going to go do his thing. He's going to go make money. More power to him. He was thrusted into some very bad spots for prob- just about two years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and he did a fantastic job, but, you know, it was hard to watch at times, you know, with the follow trouble and all that stuff. So he goes, he did like drastically improve. You noted this, his free throw shooting from 59% in his sophomore year to 85% this year, which did that lead? Did that lead the team 85? Or was it Buddy? Buddy was slightly Buddy. higher than that. Yeah, I think okay. Buddy was slightly higher. I think so too, uh, but but still, you you knew when he went to the line. Whereas a couple years ago, you were like, "Oh, geez, they followed Mark," 
You know, <laughs> you know, this- I mean, his his development over four years and the type of player he became um, and the fact he did that at 200 pounds soaking wet playing against 250 pound guys every single game. Um, I mean, I don't know that there's a better glue guy in Syracuse basketball history than Marek Dolajai. He played on two Sweet 16 teams, um, double-digit losses, I think, every year that he was there. Gave you everything that he had every single night. Um, stood in front of a charging Zion Williams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Williamson. Uh, just uh, that was a, a tremendous play. Um, chipped mean, his teeth against Georgetown and stayed in the game. Um, I mean, the, the guy was everything that you could want in a basketball player. And you know what? Syracuse fans should want him to come back because he was fun to watch. He's what's great about college basketball when you see everything that he gives you every single night, regardless of whether you're playing him at the three, the four, the five, you know, tell him to go play point guard. He'll go play. He doesn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. He just, he just wants to go play and then wants to go eat pizza. That's what he wants to do. Yep. Um, and so <laughs> he was like he, the, the Eric Dungy of orange basketball. That's, that's a good comparison. Every, everyone loved him. Um, oh, yeah. you know, as much as some some of those teams with the Dungy was on got criticism, uh, Dungy rarely did. It wasn't his fault. He was a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Dolajai, same thing. He was a fan favorite. He'll always be a fan favorite. Um, you know, selfishly, it's unfortunate he's not coming back because I liked watching him, covering him, I'm listening to him talk about how much he loves pizza, everything else. <laughs> um, but you know, he'll he'll have a, a very good professional career in Europe somewhere, and and he'll make himself a lot of money and. Um, you know, hopefully he doesn't have to play center anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was saying. I was yeah. like, he's lost professional years playing at Syracuse, taking these charges down at center. Like, let let him go make the money that he can make in this short amount of time that he has to make it. Because Absolutely. he's taking a beating. I'd love to see him back, but let him right. go make that money. We always, you know? we always said, or I always said, that a, a, a game wasn't official until Mark hit the wood. <laughs> Once Mark hit the ground, that was it. The game was official. It was going in the books. I mean, so uh, just an absolute pleasure to watch. A great kid, and he he will go. My 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 kids love him. He's going to go down to history. He's going to be one of those ones we always remember. Oh, yeah, he will not be forgotten. Yeah, sure. absolutely. So okay, at Turf on Fire on Twitter. By by the way, the buy seller hold rules are this. I don't even know how many I have. I have a bunch. I'm just gonna. We'll just see how many we can get to. You are permitted only one hold per episode so to speak show so you can hold you can only hold once okay so with that said at turf on fire on twitter he says buy seller hold quincy and griffin will play for the orange next year now you can do these separately you can do these separately i was gonna say is this a package thing so it's either they both come or they both stay no you could do he 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 put them together but i'm just you could do it separately that's fine i would love to hear your thoughts on this sell i'm gonna sell alan griffin coming back okay um i I just I don't think he is. Um, I think he's looking for any possible opportunity not to. Um, I just you just kind of got the impression he wasn't a big fan of the zone. Um, it just didn't seem to click with him. We saw the way that that went down with his playing time at the end of the season. Um, now I do think he's a talented player, and if he did end up coming back, you know Syracuse is better. It's more depth, etc. But Syracuse has a lot more options now than they did last year uh, at the forward spot uh, with Benny, with Cole Swider, etc. So. You know, if if he ends up uh, deciding to leave, like I think he will, it is what it is. But if he does come back, then you know it's it's more depth for you. As far as Quincy goes, I'm going to buy that he's going to come back um, because he, if he comes back, he's starting. He knows that um, he's going to start at the four and um, you know, or potentially the three, depending on on how the roster shapes out. But 
Um, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot of minutes. We know Jim Beheim thinks very highly of his talent. And I just don't see any way that he gets feedback during the NBA draft process where he goes, yep, I need to stay in here because I know that I'm going to have a shot. I don't see any way that he gets feedback that says even, yes, you're a potential second-round pick. I think they're all going to tell him, you're going to be borderline a priority free agent. And I'm not even sure that you're a priority free agent. So I think he's got a very uphill climb to getting a legitimate shot at the NBA for next season. So I've said all along, I think he'll end up coming back. So I'm going to stick with that until he proves me wrong. Okay. Well, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that uh, Quincy's coming back and I say he comes back and he learns how to finish up around the rim too. I think he improves drastically and I, I don't think I will say, I don't think they can, I don't think they both come back. So I'm, I'm no. with I'm with I'm with you. Quincy comes back. I'm going to sell Griffin, even though the body language of Griffin told me that things were on the up between him and Coach during ACC through the tournament. I mean, he got yanked. What game was it? When he got yanked 30 seconds into the game. He took a bad shot, and he was gone. And he seemed receptive. Look, I I don't know. Uh, maybe, like you said, he's waiting for the right move. But a talented player, I, when he was good, he was really good. But he, the last, the last, you know, the last quarter of the season was a little rough for Alan Griffin. I, I'm not sure what happened if he's just trying to prove himself and 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 yeah. you know getting recognized. I, I felt kind of like that to me. I don't know, but I I agree with you. It's just I think a matter of time before we hear that news, Joe. I'm going to buy both. Really? It's the only reason. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. Oh, I mean, I like I this. Wanna, I don't want to follow suit. Not here yet. Okay. Both <laughs> the same thing. So, but um, I thought that Alan Griffin was going to end the transfer portal way sooner than like now we're still sitting here thinking about it. Right. And um, I don't know what it has to do. I, I think Sidibe, if he never got hurt, Alan Griffin never would have saw the minutes to even sniff all ACC honorable mention. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if he just doesn't want to transfer again because he just transferred, but just because it's taken so long and because you guys both said the same thing and I don't want to follow suit, I'm just <laughs> going to say buy both. You, you know, okay. maybe he comes back as a, as a two guard off the bench, doesn't play the wing because the wing obviously definitely Heavy. like what Mike said did not suit him at all. So maybe, you know, coming off the bench, um, being a sub for buddy and playing the top of the two, three zone and, after Buddy graduates, then it'll be his time. But who knows? That would be a deep roster, man. If both of those guys oh, come, I know it would. Court, you add Jimmy Beheim to that, it would be I, ridiculous. I, I'm glad I don't have to worry about minute distribution because I, it, it, I don't know how you figure that. He would out. have to do something different. He was, yeah. And, and I think your option of moving Griffin up up to the backcourt um, might be what he does there. Because keeping all those guys in the front court, you basically be having five guys you got to find minutes for, and yeah. it's hard to justify not playing any one of them. Tough. Yeah. All right, we'll get uh, the rest of our thoughts on the guys coming in and the rest of your buy seller holds after this. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. The title sponsor for Sports Drink, formerly known as Armchair, is Bet Online. That's the title sponsor for this show, the Cuse Militia. It's that time of year again, and all the eyes are on pro basketball. And obviously, the MLB season has begun and is in full swing right now. BetOnline.ag has all of the betting action. Actually, Joe, the read says pro basketball. And I was very happy. I was very happy. And here we go. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make the run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, Bet Online has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, Bet Online has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup, Bet Online has you covered for all odd and odds and real-time updates and is the place to to for all your sports betting needs, BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to place your bet and check on all of your favorite sports bets all the time. Head over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today with BetOnline, betonline.ag. Thank you. Kanan Sunglasses. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, Kanan Sunglasses. Your outdoor experience could be better, clearly better. Look, the sun's out. It's about to be. I got the island music rolling. You know, the reggae instrumental, you got to have some cool sunglasses on. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canon's lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch with frames handcrafted in Italy. Canon sunglasses elevate your experience experiences outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination imagination use the exclusive code canoncast15 that's k-a-e-n-o-n cast c-a-s-t 15 at canon.com to receive 15 percent off of your first pair that's canoncast15 canon clearly better all right mike First one, the first one, the first commit that we got was uh, Samir Torrance. Okay, local kid, Syracuse recruited him. Um, again, another one that's excited. He's coming home. He's he's happy to be back. Uh, a pretty pretty scrappy guy. He he likes to distribute the ball too. He's not selfish with the ball at all. Uh, another good passer. You got Mark leaving. You got someone that's potentially going to fill the role at least of of uh, the assist end of things. What did you think? Yeah, here's the the positive part of it is you want guys that want to be at Syracuse and are passionate about playing for Syracuse. That that helps. Um, I think that helps team chemistry. Oh, absolutely. All those things. 
he's yeah. he's going to bring all of that. So the unfortunate part is that he's going to always be compared to Kadari. And so the minute he comes in and doesn't do some of the things that Kadari does, there's going to be some criticism, and that's that's unfortunate. He should be viewed in his own right, not necessarily compared to what Kadari either did at Syracuse or does at Seton Hall. That's unfortunately going to happen. Yep. Um, but here's here's the the positive and why this could end up being a net gain for Syracuse, even if Torrance isn't as good as what Kadari could become. If Kadari was unhappy this past season and was going to be unhappy next year, even if he started, but was splitting time with Joe, because even if Kadari wins a starting job, he's still splitting time with Joe. Joe's still playing a substantial amount of minutes. So if he's unhappy with that role, you've got a guy in Samir Torrance who's going to be very happy with that role. He's going to be happy playing 20 minutes a game, coming off the bench, being a spark on both ends, um, Etc. He's going to be very happy with that role. He's going to be pumped to be playing in front of his his family and friends and, and all that. So your team chemistry immediately goes up because of that, because of the happiness of a guy willing to accept that role. And then the fact that he's played with Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard on yeah, the AAU right. circuit, they're all familiar with each other. They've played together. Um, he and Girard have split time before. You know, so there's all of that familiarity. I think speaks to this being um, a very good pickup for Syracuse. If you had to replace a guy like Kadari, I'm not sure you could have found a better fit for the role that they're going to be playing and for the talent that he comes. He's actually, you know, there's a lot of people that get obsessed with the recruiting rankings. He was actually rated similarly or even slightly above what Kadari was as a high school prospect. Um, He was actually supposed to be in Kadari's recruiting class, but he reclassified up a class to get to college sooner. So he's, of similar age to what Kadari was. He just has an extra year of experience at the college level. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives here. I think you get a six, three guy who's long and, and wants to be there and, and is a pass first point guard and can do some of the things like getting into the lane that Kadari could. I think it's about as good of a recovery as you could expect at that point from, from losing Kadari. Yeah, but then and that helps with the coaching standpoint too. Absolutely. You got three guys that have already played together. AAU, you know, there's not going to be any problems. That's just another thing Jim doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, and then it was almost back-to-back to to just kind of ease everybody into their seats a little bit. Everybody was bouncing off the walls about Kadari. Uh, How many years of eligibility does he have, two? Two. Okay. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's a good player. Uh, He's a top 100 player for a reason. You, and like I said, I think it's it's a good fit for all sides. And the, and the other positive to this, too, is, you know, there's always a learning curve with learning the zone. Um, a, he grew up in the area watching it, uh, which which I does think I do think helps a little bit. But then any questions, areas where he's struggling with, he's got two guys and Buddy and Joe that he trusts, he's friends with, et cetera. They can work with him outside of normal practice to help bring him along and minimize some of that learning curve. And, and you mentioned too, and in, in, I, you know, we'll have to see. But you know, he's good enough to push Joe, either push Joe to be better, or he's just going to, you know, there's a chance he could start over. Is that is that how you still feel about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't predict that he will take the starting job from Joe, but I do think that he is talented enough that he could push it and at least make the coaching staff think about it. Um, push Joe and, too. I mean, Joe needs to be pushed a little bit. He was pushed a little does. bit this year, but. You know. Yeah, and and you know, Joe going up against someone like Torrance in practice every day, who's athletic and quick and can be physical with him, and the types of things he's going to see in the ACC every game, 
um, you know, that's, that's going to help him too. So, um, I think, I think this is again, about as good of a recovery as you can have if you lose a guy like, like Kadari. And I like Torrance, but then, you know, we get the news about Cole Swider and I'm like, holy cow. What? I mean, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, this guy, this guy is great. I mean, this guy, he can finish around the rim. He can shoot from outside. He can shoot mid range. I mean, this guy can do it all. He can do it all. Yeah, the, the the first the thing that I thought about of high school with him is he's. Um, we, by the Tyler way, we, we recruited him, right? We were recruiting yeah. him, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, it was it was down to basically Syracuse and Villanova. Okay. Um, they they were there heavy. They recruited him about as hard as anyone in his recruiting class. Uh, he took an official visit here. Um, had a very good relationship with the coaching staff. And again, I look at him and, and I keep thinking Tyler Lydon. But Tyler Lydon with, you know, potentially a little bit better handle um, in terms of being able to create and um, a little bit better in terms of his outside shot. And, and Tyler was a good outside shooter. Yeah. Um, Cole Swider is a really good outside shooter and he's long. And, you know, some of the issues that he had at Villanova, they didn't run, they don't run a lot of stuff for their forwards. Right. To, to get them open shots when, they, when they're three point shooters, that that's not what their offense is, is based around. And then defensively, they they like to have a lot of quicker guards out on the floor because they switch on everything when teams run uh, pick and roll action on. Right. And and Cole wasn't the type that if you switch and he's got to pick up a guard, isn't quick enough to be able to handle that. So it put him in a lot of vulnerable positions defensively, and so that kept him from um, getting more minutes than than what he got. So I think you bring him over to Syracuse where his offensive skill set is such that we've already seen someone with some of those same skills be very successful. And then you put him in the zone where he doesn't have to worry about those switches and being one-on-one um, with a guard. And I think defensively he'll get better as well because he's a better fit for, for playing on the back line of the zone than being put in those pick and roll situations in man to man. Yeah. Joe, what do you think? Swire. I just think it's going to be really interesting when you look at the people that are, possibly coming back. I mean, you talk about Quincy Garrier, Bonnie Williams, Cole Swider, and then you, whether it's Jesse Edwards, Sidibe, I mean, you're talking about a, a defense that's going to be better next year. It no could be what. insane. It could be insane. That's and and really like, it's, it's, it's really kind of exciting to think about, to be perfectly honest with you, because it's, it's like almost like we're upgrading from oh, what we had last I, year. And I mean, yeah, Again, it's going to take. I think there's going to be some the early games. These guys are going to have to figure out the two-three well, zone. There's going to be some bumps and bruises in the road, but at the end of the day, uh, Bayheim, when it gets to the end of the year and these guys get going, uh, it's exciting to think about what we could have here. Yeah, that's and Mike, that's Syracuse basketball, right? Like it almost doesn't matter uh, who you got there. The beginning of the season is always a little rough. The beginning of almost every game is a little rough. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, and the good the good thing about next year, you know, um, part of the the last couple of years that they've had issues defensively is because one of the wings has been a little bit on the smaller side. Whether it's Elijah Hughes or Alan Griffin, six five six six, you're used to having two six eight six nine guys at both wings. Yep. Now you've got Cole Swider, Benny Williams, potentially Quincy Garrier back. Um, Jimmy Bayheim Jr. potentially, yep. you know, you see you, your back line is now all six, eight, six, nine guys. And that's, that's when Syracuse has had its best zones. 
Yes, of course, you want that length up at the top, but you also need that length on the wings. And so having a vulnerable spot on one of the wings defensively has hurt Syracuse. Uh, I know that the guards get a lot of the blame, but there's some blame there as well. Um, you know, so bringing in those guys that have that length and have that talent, I, I do. I think defense has the potential to be much better next season, especially yeah. if City Bay can stay healthy. Oh yeah, and it takes away from those offensive rebounds too. I mean, that's yeah. that's killing us killer. the past yeah. couple of years. I yeah, mean, never use. I don't remember the rebounding thing used used to be a problem until like. <laughs> Not like past four no. years, five years, right? I mean, yeah. So, uh, in which we talk like every game, we're like, well, what can we do? Well, we need to rebound better. I mean, that's like the number one go to. Oh, the past couple of years, you could look at the box score, look at the rebounds, and it almost tells you who wins or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just... Exactly. Um, so, Sidibe's coming back. And I'm, I, when Sidibe finished the, what was it, the 1920, Campaign. He was was that 2019 2020. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he's not that old. He, <laughs> he's been around a while. He ain't been around that long. Uh, you know, with the game against UNC that got canceled, and we went through all of the COVID, everything that shut everything down. Sadibi was playing his best basketball coming into the season. We thought, man, you know, if Sadibi can even remotely pick up close to where he left off, this is going to be uh, fascinating. To, to watch this team and to watch this this guy uh, go ahead and develop. So um, with that said, he's coming back. Mike, are you worried about any knee issues or anything like that? I mean, obviously, uh, it's kind of hindered his career at SU from almost the get-go. From, from a team perspective, I'll say no. Um, here's what I'll say about Barama. And I've, I've told buddies of mine this. We've been talking about the team throughout the season. And um, you know, at one point they were they were really struggling and lost a couple games and uh, looked like the NCAA tournament hopes were gone. And mm-hmm. uh, I stuck by this opinion. I said, if Barama Sidibe never gets hurt, plays the whole season, is 25, 30 minutes a game, whatever it is, that Syracuse was a top 25 team for most of the year. I but, mean, yeah. I, and again, that that's not him being a 15 and 13 with four blocks a game guy. That's being an average power conference center because Syracuse had such a massive weakness there that you had really no rim protection from the middle. Um, you had some decent rim protection from the wings. Alan Griffin, despite his defensive issues was a very good shot blocking forward. Quincy Garrier was, was a, a good shot blocking forward, but you didn't have the guy in the middle who could make up for mistakes uh, that other guys made defensively and could occupy space, keep guys off the boards and all those things get you some offensive rebounds as well. So him, not only did it hurt you in the middle, but it changed everyone's role, right? Marek couldn't now be the, he couldn't be the point forward at the four spot. He had to play the five and that took up a lot of his energy and effort defensively. Quincy was supposed to be the three. Now he has to slide down and be the four and be the only physically imposing figure on the inside. and had to be counted on to be, the number one rebounder on the team. He had to be that every single game, had to get double-digit rebounds to keep Syracuse in games. So it changed everyone's role. Instead of Alan Griffin being a guy off the bench that played 20 minutes a game and gave you an offensive spark and an athletic athleticism spark, he had to play 30-plus minutes a game and, and be one of your key guys. So it changed everyone's role, and I think that had a huge impact on this team. They had to sort of figure out how to play that way because they spent all training camp, all offseason, preparing to play – 
with Barama as your starting center and you have to adjust and completely change your playing style and several players' roles when he goes out. So I think that hurt them a lot more than, than people want to think, even if you know Barama isn't an elite, great, top-of-the-line All-American caliber center. Just being an average oh, yeah. center made a huge difference on that team. Him coming back next year, it doesn't concern me that the same thing could happen again because I think we saw Jesse starting to emerge at the end of last year. So I think you're going to have more options with him going through an offseason of development, um, hopefully spending a lot of time at five guys and bulking up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that'll do it too. uh, Frank, I think a year where he can get stronger and and continue to learn in the system that he can give you five to ten minutes a game uh, potentially in the middle there. You know, if if Barama gets hurt, I still think you've got better options next season than what you did last season because of those things. So the fact that you can bring him back, you know, it, to me, it's a no brainer. Uh, if he stays healthy, it's a huge plus. If he doesn't, I still think you're OK. So we- I love I love your perspective on this. Honestly, it's the same thing that I thought, like you come into the season, everyone has their roles. Barama gets hurt. Now you have to change roles. Right. Then you have COVID. People get COVID. And then in the middle of the season, you get these reserve players that prove themselves in practice, like Jesse Edwards and the Braswells, where you change your whole rotation. When you really look back at this season, to see where we ended up is kind of miraculous, if you really think about it. I I don't want to make a big, huge deal about it, but there's so many things that happened where we still ended up as a top 25 team when we ended up. 25th, right? The end of yeah, the year. 25th in the coaches' yeah. poll. He hasn't released its final poll yet. But, um, yeah, again, as much as Beheim gets criticized for being stubborn, and, and some of that is very valid, oh, uh, yeah. there was a ton of adjustments that had to be made this season um, in a variety of ways. And the fact that they still were able to make a run in the NCAA tournament, get to the Sweet 16, um, and I, I think if they had gotten a different two seed that they might've won another game or two, mm-hmm. I, I do think they would have beaten Oregon state had they figured out a way to get by Houston. Um, we'll never know, but you know, it's, it tells you that he's a lot more flexible in some things. And I think that he's given credit for and a lot better at adapting to things that are unexpectedly thrown at him, um, at, as well as the team and, and the players deserve a ton of credit for, for working through those adjustments Adapting. as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we, and we go from, from really not having a center for the whole year to having two pretty decent ones. Yeah. I mean, Jesse comes out and he made huge strides towards the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, I was begging for Jesse, you know, in some of those games. And whereas the beginning of the year, he couldn't even hold onto a ball. So, so, you know, we talked about it, Sean, right? Like you look at it, if you get the like normal progression from a player, the off season, I'm completely perfectly fine with Jesse starting. I'm I'm comfortable with him starting. I agree. And there's a buy seller hold on this. So the, the, the other thing too, is, uh, I was wondering, you know, why we, you know, we're in the transfer portal. I'm like, well, we need a center. Damn it. Let's find a freaking center and be done with this. Put this behind us already, and I guess now we know why, right? That, that we went, they they did what they did. But I, the whole every day, I'd be refreshing my Twitter, looking for a, a a center from verbal commits to pop up or something. So, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm calmed down now, and I'm I'm happy. So, uh, there were centers that that they had targeted um, out of there? high okay. school that had entered the portal. Um, Kudis Wahab from Georgetown. Yes. Uh, Trey, Mitchell, Trey Mitchell from UMass. But here's the thing, right? If you even express interest in those guys 
you could potentially lose Jesse and Frank or both. Right. Do you want to risk that for not potentially not getting a guy? And now you got to scramble just to find a body. Uh, I don't know that the potential reward would have been worth that considering the strides that Jesse took. Now, if Jesse played down the stretch of the season and still was showing a lot of mistakes and wasn't making any strides, then yeah, I think you got to go hard after some of those guys, but um, and, and that's a yeah. great point because you don't you don't think about all that all that stuff. I mean, I think about it more and more because of just having to do the podcast. You just think differently about stuff. But um, you know, that's a good point because you know you don't want to break someone's you know break someone's pride and and have them be like, well, you know what? They're looking for a center. I'm out of here, right? Yeah, so. because you feel. I mean, think about it in a non-sports sense, right? If, if you're looking at it from um, what you do in your career, in, in your job, if you don't feel appreciated, then that hurts your mental attitude and perspective and product productivity towards your job. It gives and you it could a little chip too, right? Look for another one. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's the same theory here that you don't want to tell Jesse that, yeah, we understand you're coming along, but we still don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, and he and like I said, to just pound it home, he 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 proved to me that uh, you know another off season he's going to be good to go. He just needs man if he could put twenty pounds on, it'd be awesome. Like you said, send him over, send him and and Sadibi over to five guys. Seriously, there's one on campus now. There's no excuse. <laughs> there you go. Uh, real quick, just just so I feel like I get the scholarship thing, but I do have a couple questions. Mark leaving that does not free up a scholarship, right? No, because he would not have taken one up because those that come back for that extra COVID year don't count against the scholarship numbers. Like Barama right. doesn't count against the scholarship numbers. Right. So Marek not coming back does not free up an extra stuff. Okay. So you've got Kadari gone, Woody gone, John Bull gone, Robert Braswell gone. We got uh, Quincy and Griffin technically both still up in the air. And then we got Benny, Samir, and Cole coming in. So by my count, that is – well, I guess Quincy and Griffin could come back, but the transfer stuff seems all but done, basically. So what's yeah, the the only pending transfer out there that that would impact the roster is Jimmy Jr. Oh yes, that's that's what I'm missing. Yes, so top. Uh, fa- hold on, hold on, soon, hold on. So we we've 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 bumped into this twenty times to this point. Top fan, top fan, Joe P on Facebook. Jimmy Beheim will finish his NCAA career with his dad and brother at SU. Mike, buy seller hold. Yeah. I'm buying for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's an I think easy that's, buy. That's an easy, easy buy. Yeah, um, I I think uh, I don't know what his exact role is going to be. Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench and play 15, 20 minutes a game? You know, a lot of those things will be determined at a later date. But um, if you took the name Bayheim off of him, right, and you just looked at the player, he's a six nine guy who in the Ivy Leagues was averaging sixteen points and six rebounds a game. Um, you know, shooting a very high percentage, a, a little over 30% from three or so. Um, he's he's a guy that in a traditional transfer year outside of the portal where you've got basically 100 teams worth of players in the portal, um, Jimmy Bayheim Jr. would be a top 10 transfer target for high major programs across the country. Um, he'd be someone that teams would want to have. He's productive. He's long. 
Um, he's a little bit more athletic, I think, than he's given credit for, and and he can he can play at this level. He proved to me that he could play at at the high major level with how well he's played against Syracuse in the, in the last couple of years. I was just going to say uh, that, yeah. So again, I think I think he makes your front court better, and we'll let the Hall of Famer figure out how to get those guys all minutes. Is that gonna be you? You know, we heard we heard all of the the buddy should be on the bench stuff. You, you know, for uh, uh, the the whole year, Buddy comes out. Nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. We and we saw what Buddy obviously did. Without Buddy, I mean, where the hell would we have been in the postseason? I don't have any idea. But it, it wouldn't have been to the Sweet Sixteen, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So first round loss with, with Jimmy coming in. Uh, I mean, this is just going to be this is going to be amazing if that's the case. It, just just from a just from a legacy standpoint. Because coach is on his way out, and it, well, we think. Who knows? I mean, my kids <laughs> might watch Jimmy coach. My grandkids might watch Jim Beheim coach. It's possible at this point. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, the dude is like timeless. Not counting him out. So, uh, but but what a what a what a just amazing um, situation for the Beheim family to have that go down, and possibly a really good team as well. Yeah, I mean it's um, all the publicity that they got when yeah you know, maybe yeah. maybe too much. It could have been you know I, I can understand where some people would say that was a little bit too much, <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time you know that's it's it's a cool thing. It's something you don't see all the time, oh, yeah. which is why it was of such interest um, nationally. And now you add the other son to that, so you've got brothers who are both the you know, the son of the head coach and, and you're at a high major program. This isn't, you know, a mid major, this is a high major program. And, um, you've got a hall of fame, all time, great coach there. That's, that's coaching these guys and they're both good players. And, and the stuff with, you know, buddy was only here because he was to coach his son. He, Gonzaga offered him you know, the yep. team that was, unde- that was undefeated <laughs> yep. in the national championship game. That coach yeah. offered him. Yep. Um, Joe Girard that was, he's a D three player when he was struggling, he had offers from Duke Baylor, Baylor who won the national championship offered <laughs> Joe. Um, it's, you know, guys struggle. It, it happens. And I think the fact that if buddy didn't have the Bayheim last name, I don't think that the criticism would have been as loud. Um, but it, it kind of comes with the territory. Here's, here's what I'll say. I think it takes a tremendous amount of mental strength to endure what criticism was thrown at Buddy and to come out the other side of it the way he did, where he essentially was the most talked about figure in college basketball for you know a good week. Um, it, was, it was an unbelievable, um, I'd say, five to six games or so that he had um, at the ACC tournament into the NCAA tournament. Yep. And now you add Jimmy to that, who's a good player. It's, it's a cool story. And if you're appreciative of what Jim Beheim, the coach has done here over his 45 years without ever having a losing season, they're not going to have a losing season next year. Uh, you know, it, it's, it should be viewed as just a really cool thing is, is really all it should be. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So, no, I, as far as Jimmy goes, because it was a buy seller hold, right? I mean, oh, did, yeah, yes, it was. It? Yeah, I, I bought. Mike bought. What are you doing? Uh, 
I wish I knew this kid personally so I could kind of, you know, figure it out because I don't know what he thinks as far as what his career is going to be because I feel like he is good enough to probably have a career overseas, probably make some money. Um, but I also don't know, and Mike, maybe you do, but I mean, what kind of offers, has it been publicized as far as any other teams, as far as Power 5? No? I mean, no, no, that, no that's one, my thing. There hasn't right? been like, any publicity about any other schools that have offered him, and part of that could be because everyone assumes that he's right, <laughs> right. that. Well, and that's, I, but you have to assume that he's not going to start. He knows he's not going to start, most likely, right? I mean, I, I would have to assume that, that that, at a minimum, the conversation has been, you know, hey, if you prove in practice you are the best player, you're going to start. Well, yeah, but that's you, there. But you have to be prepared for the scenario where you are not. Okay. I just see a situation where if we have Swider and Benny and <laughs> Quincy that's, comes back and then we get him, that's a log jam. And like you said, that's a different problem that we don't have to worry about. That's somebody else's problem. But um, I mean, Quincy, that's a log jam. So, yeah. I mean, if he gets a, a, a situation in another Power 5 team where they're like hey you can come and you can start and he has aspirations to you know further his basketball career i can see a situation where he can do that so um that's gonna be tough or, or jim behind goes buy. 10 deep buy. you're gonna buy too I'm okay being, i'm being devil's advocate i'm I, gonna buy and i get it's that too argument good to be true because yeah. next year is gonna be a special year yeah i i get that argument joe i guess it's just some of these buy seller holds i go off emotion I'm an emotional guy anyway, so that's usually where I come from. So, all right, let's finish this up with some buy-seller holds. Oh, real quick, on the scholarship situation, we currently have, with what we got, Mike, just give me a number if you can think of it off the top of your head. If Quincy and Griffin stay, if Griffin stays, because that's the only one that would affect it, right? Right. So we would have what? I got, let's see. You've got I got one court, one extra Joe one. Joe Buddy, Joe Buddy and Samir, right? So that's three in mm-hmm. the backcourt. Yep. Your centers your centers, since Brahma doesn't count, mm-hmm. uh, are going to be Jesse and Frank. So that's that's five. You've got um Chaz Owens, who you can't forget about because right. he's on scholarship. So that's six. Yep. He he's coming then, back. That came out today. Right. Not as um, honestly, why why wouldn't he? I mean he right. he really didn't even have a mid major offer out of out of high school right. other than than Syracuse. So, um, so that's, that gives you six, right? Mm-hmm. So then front court, you've got Benny Cole. Um, if you add Jimmy, so now you're up that's to nine. nine. Um, who am I forgetting? Well, Cole, well, Swider. Did you say Cole? No, yeah, you say Cole. So Cole, Cole, Benny, it's Griffin. and, and then Griffin and have, Quincy. You have Griffin and Quincy. That puts you up to 11. Yeah. Okay. So two. It's still good. Yeah. So you could potentially add another player to if you wanted. I don't think they would. The only potential option I could see is if they decided to add a fourth guard, someone out of high school or something like that. That's you know more of a project four year guy just to give them some depth in the backcourt. I still don't see that happening. I think that they'd be more likely to have Griffin play a little bit more guard um, in that scenario, and so. they they hold those scholarships for the twenty two recruiting class. All right, Zach M. on Facebook, buy, sell, or hold, Mike. Jesse Edwards will start over Brahma Sidibe. That's a good one. Um, man. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> really? Um, my, my, my gut is saying sell it because, you know, do, do I see Bayheim legitimately starting him over Brahma? But 
Um, you know, if Jesse makes the kind of strides that I think he's got the potential to make, then it should be obvious in practice that he's the better player right now. And depending on where Barama is health-wise, he might not be able to play 30-plus minutes a game. And so the fact that that his knees might still cause a little bit of an issue for him, that could help Jesse as well. So I'll, I'll go out on a limb and I'll say bye. Okay. Joe? I'm going to say sell based on the first game of the season. So, <laughs> um, you know, he's coming back, he's going to be healthy and he's going to play as much as he can play. And his knees, it's just like a couple of years ago, he could only play what his knees allowed him to play. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jesse plays more minutes, but I think Brown is going to start. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sell for the simple fact that Sadibi's even coming back. I mean, I feel like if he, if he, if he couldn't, come back and start i don't think he would be in other words you know but he's a smart dude i don't know is he getting a graduate degree i have no idea so um, i don't know that yeah i mean you know maybe it's an maybe it's a academic thing more than it is an uh you know a basketball thing but i would say i would say that sadibi starts so all right top fan jesse on facebook he had he had a bunch but we'll do this one. Uh, buy, sell, or hold, Mike. Benny will be a – well, let's start with Joe this time. Joe, Benny will be a one and done. I'm by. Bye. Okay. I'm yeah. buying. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, just by – I mean, you know, these guys I don't think hang around too long. I'm going to buy too. Mike? Yeah, I've, I've thought about this a lot as well. Um, it could partially depend on who comes back and how many minutes True. you get. But here's the other side of that. Even if you don't get a ton of minutes, if Syracuse has a deep front court and he just plays a little bit, you know, he plays 20 minutes a game but flashes quite a bit while he plays in those 20 minutes, he's still going to get drafted. Um, so I'll, just for the sake of, of being different, since you guys both bought, I'll sell it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very much on the fence there. But, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be stunning if he ended up coming back for a second year. But I think there's virtually no chance outside of him being a complete bust that he sticks around for more than two. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, he, he does have in here, his, his full question was Benny will be a one and done or transfer. So, I mean, I don't know if he's going to lack minutes though. It's tough. That's, I mean, you know, that's why this is fun. Cause we can look back on this and realize either well, he's got how some, smart he's we got are. Some skills. He's got he, some skills yeah. at his size that even Quincy doesn't have right now. And he's testing the waters. So right. He's there's some things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Level. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Buy, sell, or hold. I got two. I got two more. I'm going to end on a football one. Uh, buy, sell, or hold. Kadari. This is, oh, this is Alex on Facebook, by the way. Buy, sell, or hold. Kadari won't make the NCAA tournament at Seton Hall. Uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that because right, I don't believe much in Seton Hall. Um, the last time they took a Syracuse transfer, that didn't go too well for that guy. Uh, Mr. Torian Thompson. Uh, now, Kadari is obviously a much better player, uh, much more stable family around him than Torian did. Uh, that could be a whole podcast on itself with, with what went on there. Um, but Kadari's in a better spot. He'll go and he'll play well there. But, you know, they're, I'm going to sell because I think Seton Hall is going to be a bubble team, kind of similar to what they were this year. And we'll see if they're able to pull it out. But I just, you know, that. I don't put a ton of faith in, into their coaching staff. They haven't had 
a ton of success while they've been there. They've been an okay team, but haven't been anything consistently of above average quality. We'll say yeah. they were okay the year, not this past season, but the season before, right? They were pretty. Yeah, they decent. were okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they were a, a decent team. They James, were a tournament. Team, James but. Zuba, season ticket holder. So that's the only reason I know that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, James oh, out in New York City now, not 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 holding those season tickets anymore. Uh, I'm going. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy just because. I mean, look, Kadari wants to showcase himself, and this doesn't have to do with. I'm not saying he's going to tank the team, but. Kadari's in this for Kadari right now. I think Kadari might play one year there and, and test the waters, and, and you know that's just how I feel about it. I don't know if that's even on his radar. Obviously, you know he's going back home. He's going to play uh, close to home, and he wants to showcase his stuff and and get into the NBA. That's I mean that's that's it. That doesn't always work out great for the team. That's just my opinion, Joe. Nah, I'm pretty much right there with you, but I'm going to sell. Uh, I don't think they're going to make the tournament, but I do think that Kadari is going to have probably a good enough year. I think he went to a team that is guaranteeing to start him, guaranteeing to give him the minutes and the things that he wants, and they might not make the NCAA tournament, but I think that uh, he will go pro after next year. Yeah, and and look, I didn't uh, – Kadari, obviously, a, a, a huge talent, and we loved watching him. He was amazing. Coming in as a freshman and doing what he did. So, I mean, good luck to him. Good luck to Seton Hall. See what they can do. Last Here's a possible scenario for you. Um, Seton Hall is a bubble team. They end up a 12 seed. Syracuse has a good season. Syracuse is a <laughs> five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, that's a prediction right there. Stop that. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how don't that do bodes. That. I don't know how Too well. Soon. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one. This is our football one. Joe loves this one. Joe loves this one. Yep. We, I know which way he's going to go with this. Mike, I want to basically get your thoughts on this. Uh, Garrett Trader will start over Tommy DeVito. Bye. That's that's a that's a complete buy for me. Um, I I don't believe Garrett Trader comes in unless he believes he's going to win the job. Um, I think he gives you a different skill set with his ability to run the ball and, and make plays with his legs and extend plays. Um, even if he does throw the ball downfield, um, you know, I, Tommy had every opportunity, I think, to put a stranglehold on that job. He's been put into a little bit of a tough situation with the way the offensive line has been. He has continued to get up. And even though he's been hit over and over again, you have to give him credit for, for being tough in, in some of that. But, um, you know, I, I think Garrett Schrader comes in and, and wins the job. That's that's just kind of the gut feeling I've had since he committed is that he's going to end up being the guy. I feel the same way. I feel the same way because Joe just convinced me of it. So because <laughs> I, I felt the same way as Mike. Yeah, exactly. When I watched his when I watched his true freshman tape from Mississippi State. I was like, I didn't want to compare him to Eric Dungy, but I but said, you did. That's. Well, I said that's more of like the type of quarterback that we need in our offense. And it just got to a point where, I mean, maybe it's the offensive line. You know, we got to we got to commit today that hopefully might help shore that. And we got a whole bunch of people coming back. But um, still kind of out there, chicken of the egg. Is it Tommy or is it the uh, offensive line? But, um, yeah, Schrader definitely, definitely brings a different type of uh, game. And I liked what I saw from his tape in Mississippi State and – I'm going to stick to it. Like I, I think he's going to start. I think Tommy's a good backup, but 
it, it's nothing against Tommy. And when was the last time we even had a decent backup? Really? It's been a minute, too. Well, Dungy was supposed to be a decent backup, and then Terrell Hunt went down. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dungy never gave the job back. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. That's going to be the most interesting thing to me as far as football season goes. Uh, quickly, look, look, Mike, would you be willing to come back on to do some football stuff the closer that gets? Of course. That's awesome. All right. Well, we'll we're going to hold you to that. But re- real quick, knowing what we know. By the way, Mike, Mike, Sean hates football stuff. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. No, That's no. not a fair statement, Joe. No, you're out of time out. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I have a hard time keeping up with the football recruiting stuff because it seems like a lot of three-star offensive linemen a lot of times, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Second of all. It's hard to keep up because it just never stops. So if it's like, like Mike, it's your job. So you you are on top of this stuff. When I get home and I'm like relaxing, trying to get on Twitter and trying to remember all these 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 football recruits or commits that we're going through, it, it's tough, man. I gotta write them all down. I have no idea. And and then and then I we don't even get to relax for the summer. There's something going on every week. So uh, you know, I mean, a break once in a while would be nice, but that's fine. You know, Here's the good news for you on the offensive line standpoint. They signed a four-star offensive lineman this past recruiting class. There we go. There we go. Yeah. We did talk about that. What is, what, what is his name? Enrique. 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 Dude, they went That's all. Right. They went all in on the offensive line this offseason. Yeah, they got they got five uh, freshmen coming in, and then they got the the transfer from Texas. Yeah. So. Plus Blake coming in, who we Blake, haven't even yeah. seen yet. Yes. Who yeah. And all the starters he, from last year. I mean, if there's gonna, that can't be an excuse this year. No, no, they, there's enough bodies there that, and if you have another year where you've got five, six, seven guys hurt again, then there's something else going on. And this should be, exactly right. And this should be a fair, this should be a very fair, um, you know, QB comparison between the two guys. If they've got a a solid offensive line and there's no excuse, it comes down to skill. So, yep. um, And, uh, Blay should have played last year, but that, the I was going to say that. Yes, and, and Mike, Mike. He, here's the other thing about Mike that I, <laughs> that I love. By the way, here's the other thing I like about Mike. You say all the things I think about refs on Twitter that I keep to myself. <laughs> I hate officials, and, and anyone who follows me on Twitter can tell you that. Um, uh. it's, it's it's not so much that I that I actually hate officials or that I don't. Um, excuse them being human beings and making mistakes i get all that right my problem is one the lack of transparency with the fact that you supposedly have this grading system but you don't allow anyone to ever see it and yet it's the same officials that continue to make bad calls that get put into the biggest games tv teddy for example (laughs) if you you have to on an out of bounds play covid stopped in the middle of the first half you have to wind up and sprint to midcourt and make this huge gesture to point to one team as the ball I'm sorry. I don't care if that's the right call or not. You're a clown. You should not be efficient. Like, calm down. No one's there to watch you. But anyway, um, but it's it's the lack of transparency. It's the lack of when officials make really really bad calls. Um, CJ Fair was it was not a charge against Duke. That was block. Mm-hmm. Um, you know uh, who's Brandon Trish in, against Michigan Final <sighs> Four. Um, you know those, those type of errors. Um, we saw one in a couple in the women's NCAA tournament where there were games that it, there were plays at the end of games where there were clear fouls that were not called, and those are bad officiating mistakes, right? Instead of there being a um, 
accountability of any kind. It's a, if you say that the officials were bad, now you're whining and making excuses. Well, no, you can say a team played bad, but said the officials were also bad. And if you're able to criticize teenagers, 19 year old, 20 year old kids who aren't being paid to play the game, then you should be able to criticize 50 year old refs who are paid to be there, who make significant mistakes and I hate I hate this one. I hate this one. We're like, oh, stop blaming the refs for losing the game. Well, that I okay. Can I can I criticize refs without blaming them for losing a game? Well, Sean, separate. you have a conspiracy, bro. What's my conspiracy? You a, your conspiracy is that the ACC is against Syracuse. Uh, yes, yes. I don't sports. know. If, I don't. Yes, yes. Here's here's my yeah. thing with that. Right. I don't think that they're necessarily against Syracuse as much as they are pro the traditional ACC schools. Okay, mm. fair enough. I'll take okay. that. <laughs> because there's been a whole bunch of bad calls against Florida State, I'll tell you that. Well, football-wise. That really, well, I was going to say, oh. this started, for me, with Syracuse and football. I mean, you know, uh, I just think mostly back to Dungey. Dungey used to get hammered. <laughs> he used to get hammered. Dude couldn't get a, couldn't buy a call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? he couldn't. So I mean, come but on. But if it was Jameis Winston, oh, all the flags, flags. All over the field. Yeah. So anyway, and then that leads into the NFL. Watch Tom Brady. You know, he gets oh, yes. greased on, and it's yeah. a penalty. You have guys like you know, even though I'm not necessarily a huge fan, but Cam Newton will get blown up, and nothing is called. Donovan McNabb used to have that same issue. He didn't get roughing the passer calls. It's that, it's the mobile like, guys, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, you want to run around? All right. Well, then you can take the hit. Okay, well, so it's my fault that I'm more athletic than that guy is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should still make the same calls. It's like that dude just jumped up and need that deep defensive back in his chin. <laughs> Chest. Yeah. So as soon as he gets <laughs> a roughing the pass, we're not going to call that because he just right. did that. Just gave a he flying knee drop. Kicked guy in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He can take that sack. He's fine. Yeah. I'll tell you my biggest pet peeve with officiating, though, is the, well, it's at the end of the game, so you need to let them play because you don't want to decide the game. Well, not calling, mm. a foul, not calling a foul that is a foul, not calling a travel that is a travel, is deciding the game. And, and, for, me, and for me, just for the record, with the, with the officials, and I've stuck to this ever since I've started complaining about it, is the consistency. Like, yes. P- call the game at the end of it, like you do at the beginning and call it like you do for one end of the court, the same for the other end of the court. As long as it's the same and the guys and the athletes know what to expect and what, where the line in the sand is, then fine. Yeah. If you want to call a tight game where you're calling a lot of ticky tack stuff, but you call it the same way the whole game, at least they know it's it's up to the players to adjust to that. If you want to call it very loose, where you're going to let teams be very physical with each other, it's up to the players to adjust to that. But don't call it, Ticky tack one possession, lose the next possession, change how you're calling it each half, or Towards you know, the end. you get a guy in foul trouble. Then as soon as he gets in foul trouble, now you're changing it so none of the stuff that he did to get in foul trouble are fouls anymore. That's that's the stuff that that boggles. Allow them to adjust in a fair situation. Yeah, that's yes. Like if, if you and you know the the West Virginia game is is kind of even though you know the officiating wasn't necessarily ridiculously egregious, but just as an example, how physical the West Virginia guards were with the Syracuse guards with the grabbing and hand checking and, and all of that type of stuff. You allow all of that to happen. And yet when someone goes inside and barely gets breathed on, Mm -hmm. that's a foul. Yep. That's it. And our guards don't play like that because of the defense that we play. So a lot of times that's where that, whole thing comes in you get these teams like west virginia that comes in and hand checks every time you come down 
but we don't play like that. Right. So, and that's their defense in your face. And yeah, it's annoying. But you got to call that. <laughs> I thought it was two hands. One hand was okay, right? And it's two hands, isn't it? Yeah, but if, if you're going to allow them to get away with that, okay, let them get away with it for the whole game, then Syracuse has to adjust to it. But then if West Virginia then goes inside, don't call something ticky-tack on a, on a yeah. shot. Of, that's, that's fine. This, right. is, this is, as well, another podcast. We could go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> get into anticipation I, calls, um, being uh, out of position, yeah. staring right at things and still getting it wrong and needing replay and then still getting it wrong. I mean, there's... There are so many angles to the officiating complaining that we could do. But you keep it up, dude. You do you, Mike. Okay? It's not going to stop, like it or not. (laughs) That's what I like to hear. All right. We will get Mike back. I'm going to hold him to it. We're going to get him back for some football stuff. Mike, I want to thank you a ton for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Kanan Sunglasses, Bet Online. For Joe, thank you to all of you for hanging out with us, by the way. For Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Peace. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.